Hello and welcome to Criticism is Dead, a weekly culture podcast about what we're watching and what it all means, if it means anything at all. I'm Pelin Keskin Liu, a producer and writer. I'm Jenny Tijang, a culture writer and critic. And this week, uh, we have a good one. We're discussing succession. So, of course, this really needs no introduction for anyone who listens to our show, but it, just in case, it's obviously the HBO series about power, money, and siblings wrestling to gain control over their father's media and entertainment empire. So we will be discussing everything uh, up through episode 7 of season 3, which is currently airing. So episode 7, Kendall's birthday, spoiler warning for anything that reaches that point. Uh, we have not watched the last two episodes of this season yet, so just a fair warning up top right now. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think I would just like to say that we are going to do a broad discussion about like the character arcs and kind of what's happening up until now. I know by the time this episode comes out, there's going to be a new episode that is meant to be batshit. We will not be talking about that, but we will be talking about our favorite, least favorite characters on TV. Yeah, so, just a general yeah. uh, perfect encapsulation. And we have a very, very special guest here to discuss this with us. So we have Judy Berman, a Times TV critic and one of our favorite critics. Uh, we hear she also likes the show, which makes her even more one of our favorite critics. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Um, feel free to uh, give Judy a follow and check out her work. Yeah, and with that, hi Judy. Hi. How are you? I'm well. Um, I'm so excited to talk about Succession. There's so much to say. <laughs> so you know, you know, with our brief opening banter, me and Jenny always struggle with it because we're just like, what did what did we do? What is time? Um, <laughs> but we'll, as the guest of honor, what have you been up to? What's going on in the life of Judy Berman? My week's been good, but fast. I have been doing a lot of end of year stuff this week. Mm. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I just begins. had to pick my favorite show of the year, which turned out to be the Underground Railroad. Oh, my gosh. Um, nice. nice. But I think Succession was six or seven. A solid spot. Yeah. But it was it was such a great year. Um, I had like 10 honorable mentions or something oh my god it has been like a lot of tv happening this year like i was looking back because pell and i are probably going to do a year-end special too and just like shit there's a lot to choose from yeah so much there really is so much yeah Yeah. that's that's great to hear love year-end well i mix feelings about year-end content but i love uh year-end tv and movie lists um but pellin what about you how's your week going my week has been going okay i finished the script Mm. so yay to me it fucking sucks oh yeah it sucks so bad but it's okay we did it we did it (laughs) i stayed up until 3 a.m doing it which i haven't done since i was in grad school Yeah, man. Dude, congratulations. Thanks. Thank you. It's super dark. I have, um, I'm in a film workshop and I sent it to them to get feedback and that's on Monday night and I'm bricking it because I know they're just going to like roast me for like an, a, for, for like half an hour. As they should. <laughs> this is a but really it's okay. of the ringer. It's fine. I, you know, I, I am my mother's daughter and she's the only one that really knows how to hurt my feelings. So, uh, no, nobody can touch me other than that. Um, but yeah, how about you, Jenny? I'm swinging it back to you, babes. Yeah. Yeah. Week has been, it's also felt like kind of a a fast week for me. I took a couple of days off earlier this week after Thanksgiving break and, Honestly, uh, I've been doing some freelance stuff, so it's kind of like I was doing full work days on both of those days anyway, but for 
for different uh, money, different kinds of money. So that's how my week has been. Uh, and we do like money. I, I we know, we and, like money a lot. And stretching our editorial wings and all the shit that goes along with doing work outside of work. Um, but yes. yeah, that's been that's been this week. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> speaking of money <laughs> and editorial wings. Great transition. Thank you. We love a segue. So, Judy. I think our listeners know how we feel about succession. How do you feel about succession? I love it. I mean, I think it's one of the most consistently good, great maybe TV shows of the past five years. I don't think they've ever done a bad episode. I think Mm -hmm. um, (laughs) true. You know, like when I got the screeners a couple weeks before it premiered, I just like really had to pace myself because I wanted to just watch the whole thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so enjoyable in a way that I almost can't even get to the bottom of, because I feel like it reveal my enjoyment of it reveals some really like dark, <laughs> like dark twisted things about me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah. you know, I think I like to watch rich people suffer. I mean, I think, yeah. you know, a lot of people like that, but I do feel like that's the root of, of the enjoyment absolutely and i i feel like it's also a way that i I mean in terms of like what it reveals about myself as to why i like this show so much it's that i'm very pessimistic about the world that we live in rich people aside i feel like people in general (laughs) um struggle to change struggle to really prioritize the important Mm -hmm. things in life and you know we see it through the lens of these aliens basically you know like these characters essentially function as aliens to everybody else that isn't them so it's just fascinating it's fascinating (laughs) to me and i'm a i mean i of course like thematically content wise you know great uh very smart what they're doing but i also just like love it for the writing just the so razor sharp Mm. writing which is (laughs) <laughs> like a, a huge treat these days i think it's with a lot of tv and coupled with the very strong performances with yeah. everything from the costumes to the set design to to everything that they use to sort of populate this world i i think very highly of basically most choices they make uh for this production yeah it's incredible yeah they just and i think you know every situation they take it to its wildest possible <laughs> yeah yeah. possibilities like i think yeah. earlier this season we saw that scene where shiv is trying to address the you know royco mm, mm-hmm. staff and then um kendall comes in with rape me by nirvana and it's like that that is not a scene that would work on any other show like it's so far out yeah but i think that's the beauty of these characters is that they're just kind of ids in a way they just Mm -hmm. do they're so unconstrained they just do whatever they want yeah very few limits to what they can do definitely yeah Yeah. and i think more than anything i love how they there's like a real balance of seriousness and silliness Mm -hmm. that they Mm -hmm. just strike it perfectly like it doesn't take yourself too seriously but the times that it does it feels like it rips your heart out of you essentially especially if you are empathetic to that character for example or have mm-hmm. some kind of sympathy i mean it kind of reminds me of like the sad clown um like they're mm-hmm. all clowns technically but then mm-hmm. there are times where they're the sad clown and there's something deeply dark about that yeah. image of, of a crying clown <laughs> it's just kind of how <laughs> I, I don't know it's just it's just perfect yeah. so judy for you you know we're in season three of this show now um we're just got done with episode seven 
who would you say are the winners and the losers of this season so far? Because it changes, oh right? It switches from season to season. Yeah, and even episode to episode. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, I think this season, obviously the winner so far has been Roman. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I think what's great about that is like, he was such a dark horse, except there's always been this kind of scary undertone to him because he seems to be a person you know, without any morality, without any sort of conscience or Mm -hmm. sort of center. Like, you just can't tell what he believes in, if he believes in anything. Um, There's no real, like, If he's just totally nihilistic. Yeah. 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 You know, I pretty much ruled him out in the beginning because it Mm -hmm. didn't even seem like he wanted um, any kind of power. But I think now he's sort of... Like, I think he's just having fun owning his two siblings, really. Yes, absolutely. Um, But I think we're seeing, we saw the stakes of it um, a few episodes ago when he is pushing, he starts pushing this kind of fascist, um, Mm -hmm. I don't know, sort of almost like a Ben Shapiro type candidate for president. Um, And I thought the show did such a good job of pulling the rug out from under you and saying like this guy actually is not that fun like yes it's really fucked up i love that um especially because you know a lot of discussion for the earlier half of the season people were were saying like very sincerely they're like okay roman is maybe the only good character he's like the most decent person because they were you know pointing to how roman had like the line where he's like i I can't like co-sign Shiv's letter that like rips apart Kendall. I was like, I can't, I love my father. I love my siblings. Like genuinely he seems to have some sort of love for them in that way. But so there were people, you know, partly ironically probably, but also sincerely like treating him like some sort of teddy bear almost. And they're like, this is the, the only like soft cuddly creature on the show. And I think I thought that episode with the presidential candidates, like that was so, striking and like perfect just like the surgical precision at debunking all of those falsities or false beliefs that people might have had about him before so uh i don't know if i've already mentioned it in this podcast but roman is my favorite Mm. out of Mm -hmm. the siblings and i i know that many of you might think that i am now uh rethinking that i'm not He's still my favorite. <laughs> yeah. But totally. not that I like, I don't like the guy. Like, right. I don't, this is a classic succession thing. I don't like any of these people. Yeah. If I, if I could get away with uh, wiping them off the face of this earth, I probably would. I think in terms of who is smart enough, who has his father's instincts, who is the likeliest mm-hmm. to succeed in, in the game of succession. I think he's the likeliest and I also think he's the smartest out of all of them in terms of managing his emotions. Not that he knows really how to. Uh, it's just that he's better than his two siblings, that uh, three siblings that, that honestly, I guess two. Connor, <laughs> Connor doesn't Connor, count. Connor doesn't really seem to, doesn't seem to emotionally care that much either, but he just seems to be the one that knows how to uh, put that aside for the second and really like focus on the business. Yeah. And I just, I kind of respect that. Yeah. It was just, yeah, that episode, that presidential, uh, what was that episode six? Insane. Mm-hmm. Just, I, I think it's like one of the best episodes of all time to me. 
um, beyond for just the succession. show. Yeah. Or yeah. for succession. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think in terms of TV, absolutely. Yeah. But in terms of the, you know, whenever people do their top five, top 10 best succession episodes, whenever it, you know, it ends, as I, I feel like it, it warrants being in that. Yeah. I mean, he's, yeah. I think totally you can still claim it as a favorite because having a favorite character, like, of course, we are beyond the thing where it's like, so, liking a character means morally condoning whatever they they do or stand for and he is a very interestingly written character like if you asked me one season ago like oh do you think he's ever gonna be like a serious contender i would have been like oh fuck no like i saw him as the the dark horse the underdog like just like a lot of other people did but yeah just like really good writing to to creep up on you and show that actually this guy does have what it takes in a lot of ways and does take after his dad the most in, in many ways yeah yeah I think he's also, in a way, the most, like, contemporary character mm-hmm. when we're talking about sort of this, like, billionaire culture. I think we see, like, a lot of these people, like, not just in the media sphere, not just in sort of Murdoch land, but, you know, people like Elon Musk, who, like, just have enormous amounts of money, absolutely no empathy, you know, their whole life is just kind of, like, fucking around trying to piss people off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like because they just have no just idea lords. of yes, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. No, he's he's, he's definitely he's definitely that, and it's also like that. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, offense. Who gets offended? Yeah, sure. We don't mean that. Like, do we mean that? That whole like gaslighting way of talking of like both sides in your way through life mm-hmm. and through the world. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's him for sure. Which is, yeah, it's so easy to do when you have nothing to lose. Exactly. And, yeah. Exactly. So. I wanted to talk to you because we, you know, episode eight is out by the time we're, we're this podcast is going to be out. In terms of the fact that we're here now, you know, we've reached the final few episodes of this season. It kind of feels like it's cre- crept up on me, like, it, and I feel like that yeah. happens every season with Succession, where it, you're tilling the the soil and sowing the seeds, and before you know it, the plants are being cut off by the end of the season. And I just wanted to talk to you a little bit about that because I've got some theories as to why that is. But like how do you feel about the pacing? Slower yeah. start um, that I think a lot of people are noticing. Mm-hmm. I think there's also like a deeper emotional reason as to why this is the case. How do you feel about the pacing? Do you feel like it's also gone too fast, or are we going like a, at the right pace? I, like, how do you feel about it now that we're like almost at the end? I think. I mean. You know, maybe they'll do an incredible job wrapping it up in the next couple episodes. But like, I don't know. For me, yeah, it really only got going at episode four or five. And I do think that those those three episodes at the beginning of the season were really necessary just to kind of wind up all the different conflicts that are now sort of paying off. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. But I would like to stay a little longer in this series of chaotic episodes that they have like Mm -hmm. we just had Kendall's party before that we had you know the presidential episode Mm -hmm. um and before that it was that disastrous meeting with shareholders Mm -hmm. where yeah it was almost like a bottle episode (laughs) um and they're trying to figure out what to do with with Logan who was suddenly like has his UTI and is out of commission. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I could watch like these self-contained, um, incredibly tense episodes forever, but I don't know. This show is also so good at like every time I think it has created a narrative problem, it solves it like in a way I would have never thought of. Yeah. So 
like like Shiv, right? Like Shiv yeah. at the end of episode six going into episode seven. Speaking of winners and losers, for oh me, yeah. Shiv is a massive loser for this season. <laughs> it's almost like the secondhand embarrassment is so palpable. Just fascinating. Like, what do you think is going to happen for Shiv? Yeah, I I don't know at all. Like, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what's going to happen with the show in season four because it mm. seems like you know the first season was very much Kendall's arc the second season was very much Shiv's arc and this is you know very much romance mm -hmm. so I think it's going to have to get off the siblings in some way and do something yeah yeah it can't keep the different same, like pattern yeah. this format I guess it's possible that Shiv could have some kind of nervous breakdown. Mm -hmm. um, I think her marriage with Tom is in a really bad place right now. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> and also, I, like, that that weird courtship between Tom and Kendall. Um, mm -hmm. I, I feel like we haven't heard the end of that yet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I think... If I had to guess, I would say the conflict is going to come out of her marriage. Mm, yeah, because Kendall's birthday party. So at the, beginning, at the beginning of it, we find out that Tom might not go to prison after all. Um, mm -hmm. And he has a euphoric, like absolutely batshit celebration in uh, Greg's office. And then he's like on this high and is trying to like keep the high going for the party. Um, and then you just kind of see that he's not feeling it anymore. Whatever he had to celebrate is now done, and he's back to the static of his former life. Mm -hmm. And you know, and the also, whole thing is—he also can't figure out why he's not happier, and he resents well, that he can't do that. And he no, I think he knows exactly why, which is that he is in a prison of his own making by marrying <laughs> into the Roys, and he doesn't know how to get himself out. And he's just trying to gild the prison that he's in with them, which is, you know, adding a baby to the mix, maybe getting thanked by Logan for his, you know, sacrifice that never, that might never be. But yeah, I think he is just genuinely realizing that he did it all to himself by marrying in. And I think, yeah. Yeah. I think he also thinks that he picked a real winner in Shiv, or he did yeah. think that. And now he's watching her mess up in like huge, obvious ways. Yeah. And it's, yeah, I think it's totally thrown off the balance in their marriage because yeah. it used to be like, you know, she has this person who's her outlet outside the family. Uh -huh. And he used to be sort of her window into the company when she wasn't involved in it. He thought that he was you know, marrying the heir apparent. And a lot of the things that she she's done, a lot of the misjudgments that she's made are not misjudgments I think Tom would make. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's so strategic. Well, he knows that he's a good sub. He knows how to be a good yeah. sub. That's why Roman is succeeding because he also knows how to be a good sub. Um, <laughs> I think you're absolutely right. I think there's just like a loss of respect. I think there never really was any respect coming from Shiv to him, but it worked for him because mm -hmm. he didn't really expect it. But now it's two ways. Yeah. And there, right. There was no real love in that marriage to begin with. Yeah. yeah. So now there's just nothing. Um, yeah. Now I think they just like annoy the hell out of each other. Yeah. I do wonder with Shiv, especially that presidential pick episode happened in episode six. She went into it really feeling like she was the person that her father would speak to because of her background in, mm. you know, I guess what what is it, political consultancy, like management and whatever she does. Um, yeah. But 
it made me think about why she ever got into that career, which, you know, you kind of think that it's because she thinks she's morally superior to her father and his company and, um, you know, wants to do good for the world or whatever. But I actually, now that this season is kind of playing out, I actually don't think so. I actually yeah. think she kind of went into it because she thought she might, it might be useful for her father one day. Yeah, or or useful for her as leverage. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. You know, she was supposed to be getting all this liberal credibility. Um, I think there was a line this season, I forget who said it, maybe Roman, talking about like, oh, like, did you ever back a candidate who won? And I thought that was so telling because we don't know a whole lot about that background. And there's a scenario where, you know, if she ended up like a White House chief of, chief of staff or something, um, that she really would have a lot of leverage over her father. But as it is, like, she didn't really come into the company from a position of power. No. And what do you think of the... I'm curious for both of you, like, what do you think of this critique that I've seen going around that Shiv is underdeveloped as a character, that she's lacking, that... They don't go into her past. They don't go into her career before this, which is, I mean, honestly, the show leaves a lot of stuff in in sort of the background of the past. But yeah, there is a sort of growing critique, I think, of specifically Shiv as a character and whether or not they, you know, people feel that she has been, as one of the few women in the show, like done her due, I don't know, justice or whatever as a character. Yeah, I think it's hard to say because... You know, we know everything there is to know about Kendall because he's just like an open wound, right? Like he's always talking about himself and he's always in his feelings. I think we know less about Shiv, but we also know less about Roman. Mm -hmm. And it's because their characters play their cards really close to the vest, although Shiv less so lately. And I, I sort of buy that in the writing because I think... You know, they're coming out of a family where there was not a lot of love. There was not a lot of openness. Mm -hmm. um, and there are people who have developed these really hard shells around themselves. Yeah. And Roman is like mocked the most openly for any time yeah. he does show emotion or affection for the people in his, you know, his loved ones. So, yeah, I yeah, agree. I, mean, I think it makes mm -hmm. sense to me as as a character for Shiv. I, I mean, I'm not quite sure what else people want at this point to be honest like uh, yeah i mean yeah. i know that we're all dying to know we, we all want that succession prequel show <laughs> like i know that you know early days of logan roy and seeing what kind of father he was but i mean sometimes you just kind of leave it you need to leave yeah. it in the darkness yeah That's keep the a little magic it. there yeah. yeah i also think like in in the current like i don't know pop culture well, say it judy I, say it judy I, don't, I, I feel like um i feel like in the current pop culture climate people have become very used to having everyone's backstory and everyone's yeah. origin story and knowing everything about everyone yeah and i find the show kind of refreshing in that we only know what it's necessary for us to know about people's backstories and I think the show uses it really effectively just to drop like these little bombs that make us change the way we think about characters. Yeah. Like the fact that we're all this invested in it up to now just kind of showcases that they've succeeded. 
And there's something like, like oh, yeah, sorry, go ahead, Pellin. No, no, you you talk, babes. Oh, no, I was just going to say, and in terms of writing, I think that actually shows like a kind of elegant restraint. I admire that kind of restraint in the in the writers and the way that they're sort of uh, showing their hand in, in bits mm-hmm. and pieces. Not only that, but, you know, over three seasons now, we've tried to figure out what it is that these kids want. And it changes from episode to episode, like from sibling to sibling. But like overall, everyone's like, oh, they just want their father to love them, which sure, I I think that that is definitely a running undercurrent of it. But I think with each season, it's like a peeling of an onion where you kind of realize like for me now, anyway, I think what all three siblings want is to be like this godlike figure that their father is. And that's the only, like, yeah, the love that they will get is the fact that he will see that and he will love them for that because that's the only thing that Logan cares about, right? But I think deep down they just want to have this special touch that he has. Like Roman especially thinks that his father is messianic, you know? Like even when he was going through the, like with the UTI, he was the only one that was like, no, dad will know what to do. Like even when he was like, I don't know, pretending there was a dead cat under the, under his chair. Like it was just completely ironclad, his belief in his father. And I think they all have that. And they, the, the, the reason why I like Roman is because he doesn't deny it and he just wants a bit of that. Whereas I think with Kendall and Shiv, they want their versions of it. Like they just want his instincts. Like Kendall wants to be the future and Shiv wants to be like the politically, morally pure one. But they all want to essentially be the person that changed the world like their father did and is able to do, you know, even at this point. So I love that about it. Like, yeah, the backstory, whatever, but like the fact that you're just like trying to figure out like, why don't you guys just quit it? You know, that the ever, that ever uh, present question of like, why don't you guys just leave this prison? <laughs> you know, like take the, like Kendall in this last episode, he has yeah. an offer to get bought out for yeah. $2 billion, I think, and yep. highly tempting. We mm-hmm. don't know yet what he will do at this point that we're recording it. But yeah, that, that option, it seems like, is is more or less like always is always there in the background. You yeah. Know, you could get I mean, we're all, <laughs> we're all thinking it. Like, yeah. Rava, you look at someone like Rava and you're like, oh, honey, you did it. Like, thank God you got out of there, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I mean, with that episode, I thought, just a side note, I thought it was really interesting that Kendall does this thing where he kind of tells different people whatever it is that they want to hear. The fact that to Rava, he was like, yeah, I'm, uh, I got offered to buy out. I'm thinking about doing it. And then, like, kind of sees what she says. It's just really interesting. He's so weird. Well, he's, he's such so an like, interesting character. He needs, I mean, his whole image and confidence, they stem from what other people think of him. Like, he mm-hmm. doesn't have enough to sustain it on his own. So he's constantly seeking other people's approval and opinions and and affirmation in different ways whether that's social media random people on twitter or yeah his ex-wife or or his siblings or anything like that but there has been a little bit of a i guess you could call a mini backlash or critique against season three and and the show so i think i've seen more and more people saying including like uh not on just on twitter and social media but also in like think pieces about the show uh saying that succession is is bad now it's it's like lost the plot it's (laughs) it's running in circles all of these kind of things um so would love to hear your thoughts on this bold take i just i mean if people think that the show doesn't know that it's going in circles in terms of the plot in terms of the power struggle in terms of what characters want and whether logan is going to give up the company i I just think you fundamentally misunderstand the show if you think yeah 
it's moving in a a linear direction like this is this is about people like descending circles of hell you know (laughs) and that's the thing is like if you really think that logan is ever going to hand off his empire to his children while this show is running are you insane that's never going to i i just kind of feel like people need to accept that the promise of the show like that the succession is just fundamentally never going to happen yeah i don't know like do you is it going to be like the final thing maybe but i just don't it's not in logan's nature to be like here you go like it's just never it doesn't matter how good they get it doesn't matter how much roman's instincts are fine-tuned and he's like even if he surpasses his father it's just not in logan's spirit to do that he just doesn't ever lose yeah yeah I have two theories for how it could end. Mm, Go for it. I think on one hand, Logan will die and nothing will be resolved. My other theory is that he's going to leave the company equally to all three of them um, and just leave them in this kind of like existential, no exit kind of struggle no, no one um, gets chosen no that's one like the picked. ultimate punishment yeah like is the yeah fuck you to his yeah kids. I, I think that that kind of like constant purgatory that those kids are going to be in is is perfect for sure yeah. i can't even properly guess because i feel like whatever i guess like i i trust these writers enough to kind of circumvent my my expectations even even towards yeah. the end yeah so but in, in, so just to kind of circle back to the reason why people think it's bad I do think that there is an element of the pacing of the season as well. Part of the reason why it feels so fast and slow at the same time for me anyway is that like a lot happens. A lot has happened. But I think it goes like at an emotionally slow pace. Like the emotional progression of the characters is very slow, even though so much is happening around them because they're rich and they're powerful. But yeah, that's why I'm curious about and this always happens with every season. Like the last two episodes are just bananas, dynamite. Yeah, because yeah. it's like it's like whatever's happening and the emotional progression is kind of happening at the same pace. So it kind of feels like euphoric in a way. So I'm really curious about these last couple of episodes. Yeah. Okay. This this might be a fun question. So Pellin, we already know your favorite is Roman. Judy, do you have a favorite among? I guess let's say among the siblings and also just in general for all the Yeah, characters. blow it open to all the characters, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's such a good question. Um, I think my my favorite character might be Greg just because he's <laughs> so constantly out of his depth. And like, yeah. he's like, in a way, I think he's supposed to be like a classic, like audience surrogate, just, you know, the person, mm. the normal person who gets sent into this you know totally rarefied world Mm -hmm. but also i think we we learn more and more as the show goes on Mm -hmm. that he is just a massive weirdo like he's not actually an audience surrogate at all no yo the greg backlash this season has been real like (laughs) suing greenpeace (laughs) no one likes greg anymore like i'm just noticing everyone just like you know actually greg really sucks and my theory was from the very beginning he's actually my least favorite out of all of them really yeah dude wow it's because he's exactly what kendall says he is which is a parasite he is kind of but like (laughs) he's also i don't know i i love i love characters who think that they're accomplishing something that they're totally not accomplishing yeah like i don't think greg has successfully 
insinuated himself into the company at all like no no not at all yeah and he's in that weird like windowless office i don't think anyone would ever come in if it wasn't like tom wanting to blow off steam yeah on him and like that relationship is just tom can't take his anger out on anyone except greg like he totally he has to keep such a straight face yeah. Um, with the family and even with Shiv that like I, I think Greg overestimates his role. Yeah. And like his he, importance in the world. He has basically zero respect and he's a little bitch boy of the yeah, whole family yeah. and the yeah. company. But I do enjoy him still as a character, I think, even though Yeah. And maybe even because yeah. he is like this conniving little, you know, fuck in many ways. Um but oh he, no, he's he absolutely the, necessary. Yeah, yeah, and he has some of the funniest lines. I think he did act as like this this audience surrogate for a lot of it, and then like again, the writers kind of sneakily did this thing where they were like, "Well, hey, the guy that you love so much and you relate to so much, he is a little bit of like uh, just a leech on this terrible family, and you know, he's not. He has his own." morals that he compromises very very easily and very mm-hmm. quickly yeah. so i i enjoy him a lot as as a character especially for those those line readings some of them i i have a question how much do you think greg makes what is his position uh, exactly right now i don't know but i'm trying to ballpark it definitely not six figures maybe he's still like technically what executive assistant to tom like i don't think the cruise or i don't think the park promotion like actually happened yeah but he like expresses desire his like dream scenario but i think think he's maybe he's still assistant i think i think it's like low six figures so i think it's like in the 100 150 range really you think it's that high yeah i think i don't know yeah i think it's that high i could see that yeah i could definitely see uh six figures at least i'm really curious and i've seen people ask also like how much jess makes like for all the shit that she puts up with from kendall Honestly, executive assistants get paid a lot of fucking money, as they if, should. Yeah, for like, mm-hmm. especially for, yeah. you know, celebrities or high execs and stuff like that. Yeah. But it's always, there's such a huge range. Like, it's, yeah, it's very yeah. hard to tell. It's got, I mean, I want, I want Jess to get at least 300k, but I don't know if she's hitting that. So <laughs> she deserves it. She deserves all the money. Oh, Pelin, did, did you have a favorite character outside of uh, Roman? You know, rather, I think I think rather and Marsha are just—they just—they've got it figured out. Like Rava, I think, is trying her absolute best to clean herself of the stench of the Roys, and I think Marsha is just like gaming them properly. In terms of, I guess they're more like outer circle, right? So I guess mm-hmm. in terms of like the the slight inner circle, I don't know. But can can we just quickly talk about the supporting cast? Because I think Josh Aronson is probably my favorite out of all of them. But we've had some really strong contenders with Justin Kirk as Menken and um, Alexander Skarsgård as Matson. I'm just pivoting quickly to talk about them because it's obviously every every star wants to get on this show it's like one of the hottest shows on hbo and alex skarsgård is obviously a hbo darling but i've been really enjoying the homoeroticism of this season so far uh i think so much of that yeah i think casting justin kirk is fucking perfect if any weeds fans know you put him in a scene with anybody he's gonna have sexual chemistry with them (laughs) like it's just how (laughs) he does it i have Um, no idea yeah he's he's very good he's very good at being a flirty little fuck um shout out to to andy botwin one time but you know him 
being the character that he is. It, there was just something so skin crawling about it. But it was almost dist- like what he was saying was almost distracting because for the first time, you know, the sexual chemistry that we've all been gagging for, we were finally getting it in this scene with two edgelord fascist fucks, essentially flirting in a bathroom, basically dressed the same. It was yes, just- <laughs> I love that they were dressed the same. And like sometimes I felt like they were kind of like mimicking each other's yeah. like gestures. Mm, yeah. yeah, it was incredible which obviously like that's exactly what fascists do not not fascists but also that's what people do you know like when you like someone you start mirroring them (laughs) like Mm -hmm. their gestures the way that they talk and just seeing that unfold was oh my god it was like watching like a like an afterbirth of a troll being born and like slopped onto the floor it was just like oh god this is so gross but it works like i buy every single second of this totally Justin Kirk was so good. I mean, that's definitely my favorite guest star of the year. Yeah. I initially yeah. I initially wanted Mary Louise Parker to be guest starring on Succession because I just thought that she would fucking crush it. But Justin I'll get I'll take Justin Kirk. He's fucking great. He's so good. <laughs> Mary Louise Parker would be such a good Kendall girlfriend though. Mm-hmm. She would be I the, would love that. She would be the girlfriend that whips him into shape, literally and figuratively and emotionally. <laughs> I have to say, I still love Kendall as a character. Oh, I agree. Babe. He, is a pathetic little, he is a pathetic little C-word. insect. But yeah. <laughs> he's just like so powerful in the way that Jeremy Strong portrays him and, yeah. and the way that he's written. I, yeah, I do really think also the way that character started, I think, as the person that most people hated the most. Yeah. yeah. And now I don't like him. I mean, I don't think I like really anyone as people right but i might have the most sympathy for him because he's so he's so broken and he's so desperate for love from Mm. this family that has no capacity for love yeah that it's really tragic yeah yeah and he's like looking for love from the world Mm -hmm. he's not getting it um i mean he's a walking like psychologist everywhere please mm-hmm. like this is this is a specimen you want to examine i mean i want to mm-hmm. i want to talk to kendall's therapist one time because why do you what are you doing like he, we know he has a therapist because he says he has one but yeah he's he's definitely like i think him the way that jeremy strong plays him this last episode was incredible i'm excited to see what happens in the next episode because he definitely feels like he Some, might just yeah he might light yeah. a light a match and just throw some gasoline and I don't know, hopefully. That will be nice. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so Judy, you have a recent piece for Time. You talk about this binary that's kind of playing out on TV with portrayals of the super, super rich and the very poor. And this erasure almost of the middle class or the the kind of area in between and and what you think that might be doing to to us as a culture and viewers and, and everything like that. So... Yeah, I'm curious, like, uh, overall, broad points, like, do you think succession, like, what is its place in culture right now? And do you think it's affecting or impacting or like has any impact, I guess, on like, what kind of TV is playing out around it? I think I mean, I think it is having a big impact. Like, I have trouble imagining a show with like the white lotus which Mm. i love which i might love even more Mm. um getting the traction that it has gotten without people being primed with something like succession where it's like everybody's gonna be rich um you're gonna hate 
just about everyone. There's it's a big ensemble. There's no hero. And I think I don't know that I would say Succession is helping the situation where we're only seeing stories about the very rich and the very poor. But I do think if we are going to see a lot of stories about the very rich, this is the kind that I want. I want to see something that drives home like how deeply immoral it is to be that rich, honestly, and how much it takes people away from understanding or empathizing with 99% of us, literally. And we need shows that reflect the very polarized culture that we live in. So I don't necessarily think it's bad that we have so many shows about very rich and very poor people. I just think we need shows that help us understand how like the vast middle lives and how having this polarized society is affecting people who work in offices, people who work in factories, people who, you know, public school teachers. I understand why we're obsessed with wealth and the lack of wealth, but I do think that the economic polarization in the U.S. is a bigger story than just how it affects the people at the very top and the very bottom. Yeah. And in terms of like story too, it's uh, setting a bit of a, not a a precedent, but in terms of like the emotional stakes, the real world stakes of a person, whether they're ultra rich or ultra poor, obviously this helps the drama of a show, but I think that you can have just as much drama in the middle too, because Mm -hmm. it kind of, what you're doing is character work. And actually the strength of, say, something like Made and also something like Succession, the draw of it is not necessarily that they're ultra rich and ultra poor. It's just that we are so heavily invested in the characters now. And that's ultimately the thing that makes us want to watch something. So it's not to say that we can't have that. Yeah, I think also, you know, we want to see characters. I think in the case of a show like Made as well as a show like Succession, what they have in common is... They produce this huge desire in the viewer to see these people get what they deserve. It's just that what they deserve is as opposite as, you know, their economic situations. Like, you know, in made this wonderful, destitute, abused mother, like you're just desperate to see her get a house and like a good childcare and basic stuff. And with succession, like you just really want to see these people punish yeah yeah and punish each other Mm -hmm. i am really curious what you guys either think season four of succession is gonna be and or which character you want a whole season about Mm. now that we've got like the big three out of the way would you say we have shiv out of the way (sighs) i don't know because I'm, I'm feeling like maybe it's going to be Shiv season for season four. Mm-hmm. Well, I think they're going to totally abandon the, the format, um, mm. which I think would be, I mean, I would prefer that personally, but mm. I would personally love to know more about actually their childhood with like, with Carolyn and like uh, their dad growing up in, in the Hamptons or wherever. Like, Oh, you uh, think, you think they might do an entire season? No, I don't, I don't think they will, but I would love if they, if there was any fodder for like prequels, which I don't want a prequel, but if there were were to be any, like, you think they'll ever do a bottle episode like that? I I would love that, but they would need such amazing child actors. Oh yeah. 
I don't know if it's if they're going to focus on uh, like Mencken and that presidential election and maybe that's that's what we focus on like we circle back to that because that's the thing about this show is like every time they end something you don't know if that's the actual end because you know like they started talking at the end of episode seven they started talking about not end of it but started talking about the Pierce family again. And it's like, oh, so are we going to go on that roller coaster one more time? I don't know. Yeah, the time is a little confusing because you don't you don't know exactly how parallel their world is to ours. But also this season, wasn't it supposed to air before the 2020 election? Yeah. Uh, so they still have, they don't say his name, but the president is basically Trump. Yeah, um, yeah. So I wonder, yeah. We'll see. We will be watching. We'll get Judy back on for season four. <laughs> I would love that. So Judy, thank you so, so much for coming on the podcast. Uh, is there anything you want to plug, whether it's uh, recent pieces, your work at time, social media, any other projects, uh, whatever you want? I don't think so. I just I just want to say that more people should watch the show Work in Progress on Ooh. Showtime. Ooh. Okay. Um, I had watched a few episodes before it premiered, but I watched like the last half of the first season and all of the second season in like a week, maybe a month ago. And it just absolutely blew me away. Oh, just shit. yeah, the most incredible character creation and like realness about getting older intergenerational type stuff in the queer community i just thought like it was really it was just like nothing i've seen on tv really god we love to get yeah the elixir straight from the source we will will be checking that (laughs) out we will put our cup underneath and take (laughs) as many drops from that as we can we will definitely be watching so thank you so much for that recommendation uh, well, thank yeah. you for having yeah. me on the show. Thank you for I coming it. on. It was a pleasure. So check out Work in Progress on Showtime for Judy. Uh, follow her at Judy Berman on Twitter. Read a work at time. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yay, Judy. Thank you, guys. So before we sign off, we just want to give a special shout out because this is our 50th episode if we're oh counting correctly uh, we are we are i think we are, we are. i'm yeah. i'm sure we haven't missed one but this if is anything we're off by one <laughs> maybe yeah. maybe and actually it's fortuitous timing because we somehow have something else to celebrate along with it being our 50th episode uh so what happened recently pelin oh my god i woke up on thursday morning was it thursday morning yeah, it was um, yesterday, man. Thursday. Yeah, dude. Oh, my God. Woke up uh, at a very late nine o'clock because I've just been waking up really <laughs> late in the mornings recently to Jenny sent me a link that we had made it into Time's top 10 podcasts of 2021. Yeah. At number 10. Just made it through the skin of our teeth, baby. Well, we're still happy with that. Still happy with oh, that. Oh, <laughs> baby, I will take it. I will take it. Uh, um, just wild. Yeah. It's very wild. Yeah, I'm... Um, shout out to all of our new listeners. Hi. If there are any of you out there, hopefully. Yeah, maybe. Um, yeah there are. Okay. Well, well, welcome. So many more people are listening. <laughs> um, but we really appreciate it. And um, shout out to our day ones as well. Yeah. Our OGs, hey. of course. <laughs> so um, if you are watching anything that you think we should check out, you know, we also, we already got the recommendation for Judy, but... You know, we do like to crowdsource, so just let us know at criticismisdead at gmail.com. You can also at us or DM us at criticismisdead, all one word, on Twitter and Instagram. For extended show notes, for all the newcomers, 
Jenny does an amazing, amazing Substack. So please sign up. It is criticismisdead.substack.com. It's basically like show notes, extra links, funny tweets that we've seen over the week. It's great. Thank you, Jenny. (laughs) And as always, thank you so much for listening. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Uh, We will request that it's five stars. Otherwise, don't bother. (laughs) Um, Tell a friend about us, all of that good shit. Please take care. We will see you next week. Bye. Thank you, everyone. Bye-bye. Criticism is Dead is produced by Helen Keskin-Lu and Jenny Jijong. Our music is by Rika. Our artwork and design are by Sarah Macias and Andrew Liu. 